0: Welcome to Interviews by the Smart Chiropractor. This show is where Dr. Jason Deitch and myself, Jeff Langmaid, give you a front row seat to our conversations with the current influencers, future leaders, and fantastic people involved in our profession. Hey, what's up, Smart Chiropractors? Welcome to Interviews by the Smart Chiropractor. I'm Dr. Jeff Langmaid here with my co-host, Dr. Jason Deitch. And today we are joined by a gentleman that I have shared a beer with across the globe in Berlin a couple of years ago. Founder of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance, co-founder of the Chiropractic Success Academy, Dr. Bobby Maybe. Bobby, thanks for taking some time and chatting with us today.
1: Wait, I thought this was the three white guys with glasses podcast. <laughs> I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time. The big black glasses.
0: <laughs> That's the subtitle.
2: <laughs>
0: well, we appreciate you taking time and, and coming on. And one of the things... I know you and I have talked a lot about this offline, and I think it'd be cool to have a conversation online about young docs, rehab docs, sports docs. You talk with them all the time. You work with them in the Chiropractic Success Academy, and a lot of them struggle with getting their business off the ground and then keeping it successful. Now, you mentioned pre-roll that a lot of this comes down to the patient's understanding of value. And this ties into communication as well. When we say the word value relative to a chiropractic practice, let's just lay some foundation. What does that mean to you? Well, first and foremost, not only do I talk to them and understand them, I was one of them. I was a young,
1: struggling sports chiropractor, and you grow out of it with experience and time. But what I'm talking about value, I mean what patients value what they look for, what they want, and what they characterize as something that's tangibly uh, saying that they would like to purchase and receive. Which is different than what we as chiropractors think of as value, which is particularly in the sports chiropractic world, we think that our care is the most valuable thing. Like we, we do these things and they're really good and everyone's going to recognize how awesome the things are that we do and then they're just going to throw a bunch of money at us. And that's just not how it works.
2: Let's dig a little bit deeper. We've got a little bit of time together, uh, you know, three white guys with some brains. What value can we bring to, to you know, basically our audience to chiropractors based on your experience of really appreciating that concept of, you know, creating value, communicating value, measuring value, um, and ultimately, uh, you know, helping young struggling chiros go from what's in their mind into what's in people's minds. Uh, and one is that those people really want from them and the transition young chiropractors, maybe even older chiropractors, um, have to really go through in order to be able to meet people where they are and provide that value or create the demand for people to really want what it is that you really do.
1: So this is this is a podcast where we're trying to do things, like we're trying to <laughs> accomplish things. I think there's there's like an initial binary that you have to get through. That initial binary is: Are you operating a practice that is a commodity or something that is really distinct and unique? And this is where, uh, for anyone who's got druthers against straight chiropractors, you have to give them full credit. They that a lot of straight chiropractors were able to establish practices that were completely distinct and unique from what everything else that was offered in the medical world. It was an alternative, right? It was like alternative medicine or whatever they called it. And there was a short period of time where the sports chiropractor came along and that was a unique and distinct alternative to alternative chiropractic. It's like the sports chiropractor was a rare breed. It was something that was out of the norm and it created this unique offering that people who were athletic, athletes, weekend warriors, true professional athletes, they really wanted that alternative to the traditional chiropractic model. However, we have produced a lot of sports-based chiropractors. I would say most chiropractors who come out nowadays are at least going to mention sports in their marketing or in trying to capture patients in the sports world, and once again, it's reverted to a commodity-based proposition. So the initial binary is, are you truly distinct or are you a commodity offering basically what everyone else does, even if you think you're very, very special in your own right? And I would say 95% of chiropractors, especially young chiropractors, but most in general are a commodity, which means you're not only competing, like the competitions in layers, right? The first competition is you're competing with everybody in your town who also says they do the same things that you do, but you're also competing with the other professionals in the world that also do the same thing. Physiotherapists, athletic trainers, their medical doctors, uh, uh. A personal trainers, everybody else is sort of offering the same thing, putting the same thing on the table. So you have to admit, or you have to do the self-assessment and say, am I truly distinct? And you're probably not. Or are you a commodity? And you
0: probably are. And then we start from there. Let's dig down on that because to me, this sounds like a lot of this gets down ultimately to the communication that the chiropractor is having to the community about who they are and what they do. And I think there's a lot of, pitfalls that many docs and many businesses of all types, you know, run into this because, you know, clearly there are, we all know, there are, you bring bringing up a great point. We know the distinctions between what we do within our four walls and what a trainer does and what this person, and we know where the overlap is and where the differences are, but you're hundred percent correct. For many people out there, they can make a decision. They have no idea what to choose. That creates a problem for the chiropractor as a business owner. It creates a problem for the patient knowing what to do and where to go. And confusion kills conversion. When we talk about the com- the communication and maybe some of the challenges that you've seen way too many doctors encountering, what are they? How do you think about communication? And how can a doc start the process of differentiate? Okay. Well, first and foremost, I think a lot of people who choose, so
1: sometimes the challenge with chiropractic is... A certain meta, a certain uh, avatar of person chooses to become a chiropractor a lot of times. I mean, there's, there's differences between that. But most people who choose to be chiropractors are very agreeable, nice, professional people. They want people to like them. So they tend to gravitate towards language they hear. They, they'll see somebody that they want to practice like and they'll gravitate towards their language. They'll gravitate towards their practice style, they'll gravitate towards their dress and mannerisms, and even how they name their practice. So the minute you just say, you know, like if we were in a mixer, like a Chamber of Commerce mixer, and somebody came up to you, Jeff, and they said, what do you do? And you said, well, I'm a chiropractor. Like immediately you've just commoditized yourself because that person is then allowed to create their own narrative of what a chiropractor is, what it means. Uh, what you do inside of your office, they get to pick that story. If you came up with a unique, I guess you would call it a unique sales proposition, right? Like you guys know all those terms, <laughs> Like, and you said, I am a healthcare professional that specializes in treating ankles or, you know, you, you nailed down a specific description for what you do that isn't just a blank term chiropractor. You've already ascribed sort of a value or a direction to go with them. And they can decide whether I'm interested in what you have to say or not based on that specific thing. So a lot of times we do see this in the traditional chiropractic world where some chiropractors will just straight up make up their own technique out of thin air, like their own name. Like I do postural neurology. Okay. So posture makes sense. Neurology makes sense. You do postural neurology. That's a very interesting approach. What is that? It's not chiropractic all of a sudden, even though it is chiropractic, but now you have a discussion around what postural neurology is versus what chiropractic is. We have a, a chiropractor that has a magical technique called the Dingerflinger, right? And this guy with the Dingerflinger, he doesn't have to talk about chiropractic he just gets to talk about the Dinger Flinger and how awesome it is. And he gets to sell that as unique selling proposition, uh, a unique approach that is not commoditized because no one else, actually I think literally no one else can do the Dinger Flinger except for him. Um, And and I'm not saying you make up something whole cloth, but you do create a genuine value for what you do when you can describe it in a different way than what everybody else does. So if you just have chiropractic on your door uh, people get to make up whatever that means because they've either already been to one or they've heard about one or they already have one and they know you, they they assume you do the same things, right? That can be troublesome. Now, we, in this profession where everybody's sort of agreeable, so what do we see in the sports world? One chiropractor that everybody really loves names his practice sport and spine chiropractic. So then what does every other sports chiropractor in the world do? They name their their clinic sports and spine chiropractic. And now you've just re commoditized everything all over again. And it's really the ability to step outside of that shell of agree-, agree agreeableness, and take a couple risks is where the value comes from because then you
2: become distinct. I completely agree, Bobby. One of the uh, things I've taught, similar to what you're saying over the years, was making this exact metaphor. Uh, you know, imagine every attorney simply referred to themselves as an attorney um, and nobody clarified or specialized in anything specific. Uh, if somebody went to a, uh, tax planning attorney and then needed a criminal attorney, but everybody was all called right. attorney, uh, it would be a mess, uh, right. it's, or it so would sports, look pretty much like the chiropractic profession. Um, <laughs> so sports chiropractor doesn't work anymore, but right. that's what, that's
1: the commodity that everyone's leveling themselves to. If so, you were to say, I'm a sports chiropractor that focuses on on rotational athletes or sprinters or agility-based athletes or gymnasts. Like, If you were specific in the sports you focus on, you're going to have a much better time in the
2: marketing world of marketing your practice. So my question to you, Bobby, is can you speak to, from your perspective, uh, I'll say sort of the thoughts behind that idea, and I don't mean the specialty itself, but When people don't take that step, my belief is it's because they're afraid that if they niche themselves into one thing, that's going to block them off from all the other possible patients to come on in, and they don't want to take that risk. How do you speak to, uh, which I agree with, I'm just curious for how how you explain it to people, the benefit of going deep in one particular category so that I mean, the outcome is people need to be able to hear what you're saying and go, that's me. I need that. How do I get started? Um, And just saying, chiropractor, as you said, just come out, you know, oh, oh, I heard of one. I went to one. My friend told me about one. And you are the same thing that all their prejudgments will come to the conclusion of. The fear is if I say, you know, I work with golfers who have this issue, that issue, or the other thing, then that, implies that if you're not a golfer, you're not working with me. Um, And that can apply to anything. How do you explain to chiropractors uh, that that risk is worth taking? Well, we sort of reverse engineer that in the Chiropractic Success Academy
1: in this manner. We sort of agree up front that marketing sucks. Like it's not fun for everybody. There are some people that definitely love it. Jeff Langman, DC and so on. There, There are people who love that stuff and there are people who don't. And the majority of people don't. They just want to treat patients, live their lives, have a good time and all that, and do lots of charts. So the way we approach that with our people is we say, what do you love to do? Like, What do you love to talk about? How do you love to talk about? Who would you, if you had the choice of filling up your office with all the people that you would love to treat the most, who would those people be? And whatever the answer is, pregnant athletes. um, It doesn't have to be athletes at all. Uh, wounded warriors, veterans, uh, police officers, whatever your thing is, that is your, that's where, that's the first step, right? Who do you love to treat? Who's your ideal client? That's always the, that's like the first step in every business, right? It's like identifying your ideal client. So we get there first. And then the next step is, okay, so where do they convalesce? Where do they meet? Where do they hang out? Where do they do their thing that they do? And if the answer is they don't have like, they don't have a place. There's no place for them. Meet bad audience. You don't. You don't deal with them. If your ideal client are Dungeons and Dragons players, obviously there's a place where the D and D folks meet, and you need to go there and be part of it. This eliminates that idea when you reverse engineer it because we're automatically placing you in a place that you want to be. Now, once you're there and you're talking to those people, you're in your you're in your uh, comfort zone. You're in your happy place. You're the spotlights on you, and you're feeling good and you're performing and you're attracting people and you're getting good results and you're distinguishing yourself as an exquisite chiropractor, then they start referring to other people. So the idea is you have, it doesn't matter if you don't have an ideal client, like if you're even a personal injury doctor or a third party, like an insurance doctor, like there's some place where you're getting most of your patients. And that's where you you would build from naturally anyways. If you were a PI person, you would build as many PI cases as you possibly could and then you would start taking in third-party insurance, cash, and all these other things. Like you have to build from somewhere. So we have to admit that you have to build from somewhere. So why not build somewhere that you're really going to have a good
0: time and have fun doing it? Could not agree more. I think building building that ideal patient, you get, you got to see people. Why not see people that you're excited about seeing <laughs> and that are excited about seeing you? <laughs> well, I'm
1: having a big problem with this podcast because I'm traditionally a, a disagreeable person. Like, and there's a lot of agreement going on here and I don't know what to do with all that. I mean, that's part of the challenge is that people in general, but chiropractors specifically such, like, it's a huge population of really, really nice, genuine people and they want to be accepted. Like a lot of them have almost like an inferiority complex where they, they just want to be liked. Like they want the medical doctors to like them. They want their patients to like them. They want one category of person to like them that never will, which are the insurance companies. They're not going to like you and they're never good. No one's going to pay you what you think you're worth. And it's like, somebody has to be disagreeable on them. Like they got to push the limits. And this category of chiropractor, the sort of conservative, more conservative professional sports chiro type. They're very reticent to sort of push the limits. You know, evidence-based chiropractors or evidence-informed, they want to play by the rules. I think the art in this uh, profession is to understand the rules, never break the laws, but push the rules where the rules can be bent as much as possible, especially in this area that can be very creative, which is uh, practice, promotion, like we're not bending the rules. Like once, once again, don't break ethics and don't break laws. But when it comes to bending the rules, of what it means to be an entrepreneur, you've got to always bend those rules. That's what being an entrepreneur means.
0: It means bending as many of these rules as possible. I could not agree more. It is all Stop about that. <laughs> yeah, well, stretch. I mean, growth happens. Growth happens when you stretch your comfort zone. So you know, Absolutely. that's really what you're what you're describing. And I think as business owners, chiropractors are business owners. And if you're an associate, you might be a business within a business or an independent contractor, but in general growth happens when you stretch the comfort zone and there is a lot of room for creativity around marketing and communications that many chiropractors aren't taking advantage of because they either don't know how they're not interested, they're scared to, and that limits their ability to really reach their ideal patients and grow to the level that they'd like to. You touched on one thing I'd love to to highlight a little bit, and that's insurance reimbursement. Because this is a consistent question. I'm sure you get it from young docs and students all the time. Do I take insurance? Do I not take insurance? Should I be a cash practice? That sounds really hard compared to taking insurance. And there's probably a modicum of truth in all of the preconceived notions people bring to the table. But with your experience as new docs ask you that, how do you approach an answer Okay, perfect. First and foremost,
1: I think most young chiropractors when they first start out are horrible at starting their businesses. So I, I interviewed in my own podcast, a wonderful commercial real estate agent, a broker, like he owns a large firm. And we were talking about dentists and other professionals and how they start uh, looking for commercial property, either purchase or lease. And I said, well, so when do they start when they're students? She said, these dentists primarily, uh, you know, they start their search early compared to chiropractors. So, so when are they starting looking for commercial property? When are they starting to look for whether they can purchase or lease and, and all that stuff? And it's, like, oh, it's like a year, maybe even two years before they graduate. And I just start laughing. I'm like, a lot of these chiropractors are, if it's not after they graduate and they're like, oh, crap, I need to find a place to practice. It might be a week or two, a month or two before they graduate that they start actually planning for their business future. So once again, let's introduce another binary. You're either entrepreneurial or you're not. And many people who think they are actually are not and should not be. Now there's an uncomfortable truth in that, that this profession doesn't have a lot of room for you in the job market if you are not entrepreneurial and no one has the, is this a PG podcast? No one has the Chutzpah to say, Sorry, there isn't a big job market out there. You're either going to have to be an entrepreneur and eat what you kill or you're going to starve. Okay, so let's go back to this. A lot of chiropractors are very bad at starting their business. They're very bad at choosing location. They're very bad at planning ahead of time. They're very bad at planning to scale or setting up an environment where they can scale uh, six months, a year, two years after they open their practice. A lot of them are just trying to open the doors, hang up a shingle and hope people show up right out the gate. And then they learn that lesson really hard that they messed up. So let's go back to the original question. What What kind of advice would I give when it comes to insurance and those things? It would be, you probably chose a bad scenario. So accept as much as you possibly can within reason. Like if, if uh, we don't get like antitrust type issues here, but obviously if there's a negotiation, if there's something on the table that is absolutely horrible, don't get into that kind of contractual agreement, but you have to take as many contractual agreements as you possibly can because you don't know what you're dealing with. I'll take my first practice, for example, my first personal practice, for example, in my hometown, Royal Grande, California, Go Eagles, evolved into sort of a retirement community, like a very wealthy baby boomer retirement type of community. So either everybody, A, had so much money they were sliding down the hill to to the store with it, like a slip and slide of cash, or B, they were on Medicare. And if you were naive to the Medicare option, you probably eliminated, I don't know, 60% of your patients while the others were paying plenty cash and they were plenty happy. Now the realities of Medicare are that most of those patients are also cash patients, except for the the spinal adjustment, right? So you were eliminating a huge amount of business. But I just showed up to that community thinking, I'm just going to be cash and just run a cash practice. It took me a couple of years to realize after listening to patients say, well, I have this Medicare, I have this Medicare, I have this Medicare. Oh, I should probably be taking that and missed a huge opportunity at the very beginning of practice to really get off on a great foot. So you don't know, maybe uh, here in, in Oregon, the what, what you would call the state insurance, the I guess you know, sort of a Medicaid type thing, the Oregon health plan. Actually pays really, really equitably for rehab-based procedures. They want you to have. They want you to get these patients active and moving again, and they will reward you for that as a provider. But m- based on stigma, uh, people aren't accepting or 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 signing up to be organ share, whatever you want to call it, Medicaid providers, and they're missing a huge boat. So my advice is take as much as you can in the beginning that is reasonable. And then as you go, set yourself on a up on a reassessment plan every year, every two years, and start to slough off the things that you no longer want to be part of until you're down to just cash. <laughs> <laughs>
0: The ultimate goal. Bobby, two big takeaways that I've heard over our conversation, big pragmatic takeaways. Number one, I really like the assess every two years, whether you're a new doc, whether you are an experienced doc, taking a look at what is pragmatically going on in your community around your payment systems is a really healthy thing to do for your business. And then peeling it back to where we began is identifying. Who is that ideal patient client for your practice? And just taking a stark look and saying, does my language, my website, my communications match that so that it's easy for them to understand I am the best and right choice for them? I think those are critical components and both components that probably far too few chiropractors listening and watching right now have taken assessment um, so thank you so much for coming on. I know we cruised through this time. Um, we're going to drop yeah. links down below. So docs out there, if you'd like to get involved in fourth thing, Chiropractic Alliance, if you'd like to check out what Bobby's going on at, has going on at CSA, Chiropractic Success Academy and learn more. We'll drop those links down below. Bobby, thanks for taking time and chatting with us today. I sure wish we could chat longer. Maybe we'll end up in Germany together again soon. <laughs> I'll look forward to it. Thank you for listening to interviews by The Smart Chiropractor. Join us again next week for another episode and leave us a review when you have a moment. This episode has been brought to you by The Smart Chiropractor. The Smart Chiropractor can deliver more new patients, better retention, and more consistent reactivations to your practice without spending any money on paid advertising. Learn more and get started today at thesmartchiropractor.com.